0: Hey, everybody, it's Ian King, founder of King Sports International and innovator of training methods that have changed the way the world trains. We are very blessed today to be in the company of a, a great man by the name of Steve. Steve, how's the audio? Can you hear me?
1: Yeah, great, Brian. How are you? How am I coming over? All right?
0: Yeah, excellent. Thank you, Stephen. So, Steve Oliver. Steve, I, I always leave my guests to do their own introduction because I can't do justice to it. Uh, but I know we've got so much to talk about you know you often wonder where do we start so for me um let's start at the very beginning i I find that often the circumstances that you raised in shape your shape your life in many ways and you've got a lot of history there because i knew of your father um so i'd I'd love to hear steve your story from you know from your back back as a kid and a little bit about your father things we've talked about
1: yeah yeah no problem bro thanks for having us on but um Yeah, I mean, uh, I was born into a sporting family. My grandfather was a boxing coach and and my father started wrestling at a young age. And then from wrestling, trying to get strong with wrestling, he uh, got into lifting weights and then he found that he fell in love with lifting weights and pursued a full career in Olympic lifting and, uh, yeah, went on to go to three Olympics and um, kept in the New Zealand team and he won the Commonwealth Games as a super heavyweight, and um, yeah, then he coached the New Zealand team for a number of years. So he done, uh, you know, he was he performed very well in the, in the lifting side of things. And I grew up. Share, uh, your
0: share your dad's name, Steve. What was that, mate? Share your dad's name. Don Oliver. Yeah. Don yeah, Oliver. Uh, yeah. Many people would be familiar with
1: so he grew up in uh you know he was just born in uh, in auckland new zealand and, and i mean i was surrounded by the likes of les mills les mills was my father's best man at his wedding so precious mckenzie all these guys that you know i grew up to know as legends now but back then it was just like family so and you know with him coaching new zealand team i was only young at the time and i was in surrounded by these monsters on a regular basis so it was just you know it's a natural thing and then he started uh, gyms just before I was born. So I was asthmatic. He started up the New Zealand Asthmatic uh, Foundation and started teaching classes out of the gym for asthmatics. And um, I got st- I got thrown in there pretty young, 18 months old. I was I was in there doing it, mate. So, so uh, yeah, it was yeah interesting, uh, you know, childhood. But I was, it was great, you know. I mean, I. We lived on the site we, lived, we grew up in Glen Eden so we lived on the on the premises so I'd always come home from school go straight into the gym and stay there till, uh, till closing basically and then got told to come home have dinner and go to bed and yeah I just grew up in that environment
0: we've we've shared some great stories um, about some of those times one of my favorites was was the way they used to gain weight in the communal eating so you remember that story where yeah. Put yeah
1: yeah he just used to I mean he used to work at the uh, they always work hard. He was at the freezing works, you know, working big hours. And they would just him and Les Mills and the boys would grab, you know, I don't know, dollar fifty chips, fish and chips back in those days be a mountain. They'd just stick it in the middle of the floor and they'd train for three to four hours and they'd all just be troughing as they trained. You know, I mean they're all big men, eh, you know? Dad uh, got up to around, you know, I think his biggest was mid-160s. You know, he was, um, was decent-sized. Wow. Great <laughs> stories.
0: Wow. Okay, so uh, so yeah. from what happened from the year, where was your first sport, you think? Where did you start in sport?
1: Uh, I just got stuck in the gym lifting weights, and then I started uh, wrestling. I uh, done a little bit of olympic lifting as you do you know with uh, all the guys around i i played around with it a little bit but i um uh, got got into wrestling pretty pretty uh involved around um, just as i went to intermediate school and then uh right through uh, high school at calston boys and then and then from there i got stuck into the weights and started powerlifting and then uh you know, from about, I was always lifting weights. I was, you know, like in the gym all the time. So we end up just lifting heavy stuff. And dad was, a, you know, dad was around, uh, you know, he had many gyms, so he was around and about. But it took me a long time to get a program off him. I remember I just used to hit him up and say, dad, can you write me a program, you know? And I, yeah, I'll get to it, you know? And then uh, a month would go by, dad, can you write me a program, you know? And then he writes me a program after, you know, uh, Plenty of time. It might have been years trying to bother him for a workout, and then he, uh, yeah, it was like twenty sets of free squats, twenty sets of deadlift. You know, that was it, and uh, mm-hmm. just, just old fashioned, nothing flash, mate. Just basics and plenty of them. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. plenty of yeah so. yeah. so then I so started well, lifting. Yeah. Yeah. Like Olympic oh, lifting and powerlifting. No, I started playing around with limb lifting, but I soon found that I just wanted to. I was a bit impatient and just wanted to move the weight. So I um, and I didn't want to, you know, do exactly the same as that. I want to do something different. So I started powerlifting, and um, yeah, I powerlifted competitively right up until I was uh, 22. And at 22, I started to, you know, my I was asthmatic, so you know, I was unfit I was getting big and unfit so I wanted to Take up something that was going to get me fit and was going to be a bit of a hobby because I had gone You know extreme into the lifting I wanted to find something that was going to be a little bit more of a hobby and a bit more easygoing, but I uh, found Jiu-Jitsu and You know I went there and you know one time a week turned into you know two three times a day I moved overseas. I moved to LA and uh, stayed in LA with uh, training with Jackson and Gracie over there for ten years and then uh, moved into Sydney. Uh, I was there for minimum of five years training over there. Got my black belt over there. I was uh, I lived in Brazil um, through that time as well. I got, after seventeen years of full time training, I got my black belt in uh, two eleven. I think it was. Wow!
0: Well, so you paid your dues. There's no question about that.
1: Yeah, it's a little bit different back then, mate. I mean, internet and. You know it's good and bad i mean uh, you know there's no internet when i was starting up it was just turn up and you know you know strange gyms and that i mean i turned up to la no one was expecting me and you know i was I stood out i mean i was uh, you know 130 kilos um and reasonably strong so you know everyone i was a threat so they dealt to me quite nicely for the first few weeks and then they seen that i wasn't going anywhere so i started to form Friendships and bonds within the team, and and uh, yeah, went from there. I moved in with a guy. We were in um, uh, just by the airport. It was uh, like a a, a slum there in LA. I didn't know. I just got off the airport and found the closest uh, closest accommodation, which was a trailer park. You know, Mm it was Englewood, Englewood in LA. Yeah, right next to the airport. So I got a trailer park there. I was just bussing to and from the from the gym and. And I said to the guys you know if there's any work let me know mate you know I'll uh, I need to make some money back then it was only uh, 42 cents in a dollar I think so I was going through it pretty quick so uh, after about a month I got a job and there was a it was a punk uh, punk event and uh, it just kicked off we were working security there and after that after a good night of work they just said you know you got a job so I started working with the boys and some of the best years of my life, mate, 10 years in LA and Hollywood working the best clubs. And that was when the transition between, you know, uh, in the States, it was there was a lot of suing and stuff like that really kicking off. And, and the So we were taking over, the grapplers were taking over from the boxers as far as door work because, uh, you know, the establishment didn't want boxers getting on there and knocking people's teeth out. They'd rather a grappler get in there and, you know, potentially put them to sleep and. Take him out nicely you know so um yeah it was some good years mate it's
0: it's a it would have been a shock for a young boy from uh, this side of the the world to turn up because i've talked to quite a few athletes over the years who've made that move you know got excited jumped on a plane turned up in l.a and got a shock (laughs) so it would have been a bit of an eye-opener for you culturally speaking oh
1: yeah yeah, culturally and and, and just, you know, it was a no nonsense gym. And, you know, I was training with Hicks and Gracie. I mean, you know, I didn't know who he was at the time. I just knew that he was one of the better guys in the family, you know. But, um, you know, the, the culture was very different. There was a lot more respect than there is now. I mean, it's yeah, loyalty. I mean, uh, you know, old fashioned uh, traits of the martial arts were really, really enforced, you know. Yes. And, um, You know there's no toilet breaks halfway through a a sparring session you just you're in there until he says it's over you know what i mean and uh i mean you know just with my technical uh, development uh through jujitsu i mean i was super strong so uh you know i just move people effectively you know but that, that only lasted it was a blessing in the end my asthma because after two three minutes i had you know my lungs had run out and i had to you know as weak as a kitten you know after a couple of minutes of you know full full exertion so uh and and sometimes the sparring sessions would last. one roll would last 20 minutes you know so and you're rolling for hours so you've got to learn how to survive there's no you know i'll oh, you know can i stop because i'm having a heart uh, asthma attack it's just get on your side and survive you know learn how to survive and and you know it really uh you know develop me really nicely in the technical side of things where a lot of big guys don't develop as technical because they're so big and they just move people they don't really need to get technical but um the asthma really worked in my benefit like that you know
0: absolutely so Steve, as we go through we've got a few uh, on the call today they're keen to hear about your story that may also have some questions so i'm just going to say to everyone who's listening in, as soon as you have a question um put put your hand up electronically speaking and i'll bring you on live with steve so Don't wait to the end if you'd like to throw a question up. So, Steve, one thing that has, um, I guess, impressed me or surprised me is the changes that that that, um, Jiu-Jitsu and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu have undergone. For Mm. me, back there in the the 80s, in the 70s, you know, it was you know one of the options, but in the current times, it's really rose to prominence in terms of an option.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, UFC has been uh, really huge in that aspect of putting all those styles together and seeing what's realistic because a lot of the styles were so far removed from actual real combat that they were living in a dream world, you know what I mean? They were, you know, it really was a martial art as, as in a martial skill, you know what I mean? The guys were rating people on how high they could kick and how many back flips they could do and how beautiful it could look as opposed to how effective it is, and I mean, you know, just you know, unfortunately in society these days, it's getting more and more crazy out there, more and more people are looking to um, find a, a martial art that's, that's relevant, you know, so Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu over the, well, I've been around, I think Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, if you had to name one, would be the, would be the one, you know, I mean, it's, uh, it's the sport, it's the, the art that the samurai used to use when they dropped their sword, you know. Right. And yeah, I mean, there's, there's old school uh, uh, Japanese jiu-jitsu, which is more wrist locks and a little bit of takedowns, and then there's judo, but, you know, in the Second World War, uh, when, you know, Japan got uh, taken over, the Europeans came through and they were starting to learn all the the, the jujitsu side, the ground, the, the killing art, you know, so the Japanese got together and said, hey, you know, we don't want to give these guys our secrets. Let's just teach them the stand-up part. And that's what formed judo. So um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, jiu-jitsu was the, original, was the original art, but they split it up just to try and keep the Europeans uh, occupied with uh, the stand-up part of it and kept with killing secrets for themselves. But then a Japanese guy moved into uh, into Brazil in the early 1900s, and um, he yeah, taught taught a lot of the boys over there the, the, the true stuff. and you know in, in japan it was all about who was worthy to train you know what i mean but half the time you the guys that are worthy don't want to train but in brazil they just taught whoever wanted to train so uh, you know it, it blew up because of that fact they just would train anybody and yeah the, you know the brazilians have taken over mate you know
0: absolutely it's massive I, I was i was in la recently and i was working with some dancers and i was stunned at how many dancers were Regularly going to the BJJ classes. Yeah, you, you think petite little girls. What the hell but um, that's the that's the expansion That's the embracement of it.
1: Yeah, I mean it's mate, it's the only martial art I mean, you know, like boxing and all the rest of its cute for the girls You know, you can get further, and you can you know, they can get reasonably effective but if you're dealing with a bigger man, I mean you, you, you haven't got too many chances, you know, and it's um, brute force like that. But Brazilian jiu jitsu is one sport, man. If the guy doesn't know what he's doing, and you and you, you know, you can be half the size and half the strength. I'd put my money on the person with the with the knowledge rather than the horsepower every time. You know what I mean? It's uh, so it's, a, it's a just amazing sport, you know, just how efficient it is.
0: Well, you've certainly tried a and You've been to powerlifting, weightlifting. Are, are you boxed as well? We haven't talked about that uh, in the yeah. early days. Yeah,
1: yeah yeah my you know with my grandfather being a boxer, we always used to you know the kids uh, at barbecues and Christmas parties used to get the gloves thrown at them and you know I'd usually have the left and now uh, the other the cousins would have the right and we'd uh you know entertain the uncles but um no, I mean, I had a couple of fights, nothing flash in boxing, but um yeah I mean uh, we trained it a lot, you know what I mean so i've Work right through the styles and that's why i gravitated towards presenting jiu-jitsu because i've seen the mma uh in the early days and just saw how it embraced everything you know uh punching you know wrestling in the submission you know it's a perfect art
0: absolutely you certainly embrace it. so let's talk about what you've done there in, in auckland you've come back and you've brought your love of the sport back to Back to your hometown and you, you've got some great things. I've, I've been really impressed with the numbers that you've gotten and, and the family atmosphere that you've developed at your, your facility there.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I was lucky enough to grow up in, uh, you know, an environment that I did with sport being, you know, a real key part of it. And I just wanted to share that with everybody. I mean, you know, just these days, I mean, people, you know, kids are on their devices getting more and more. There's more and more of a need of it. You know, kids are on their devices kids aren't eating clean and then I mean in sports really the only way forward for kids to develop uh, physically now I mean you know if you lifted up to the school there wouldn't be much happening and uh, we, we just try and provide we just try and provide a real family environment you know uh, uh, just a place where kids can feel safe and and train hard and, and apply themselves and learn some respect and discipline and. You know, just yeah, put that out there for the community. But I, you know, I was just blessed to grow up in an environment like that. So I just wanted to reproduce it and, and, um, you know, add, add our own little uh, twist to it and, and put that back in the community, you know.
0: Absolutely. And the, the stock that you got to work with, I mean, I, I believe the, the, the the stock in new zealand the the maoris and the islands the cook islanders and other pacific islanders you know they're amongst some of the best warriors in the world in many regards Mate, they're
1: blessed physically there's no doubt about it you know there's some natural you know marks one of them i mean you know I, i'll be honest the guy early days i mean he's got a good work ethic now but early days he was horrible to, to work with he never wanted to train and he'll tell you himself he never wanted to train he his diet was terrible but you know the guy's just an absolute monster he's got a gas tank that's just special you know i mean he just doesn't run out of and then the guy's huge you know i mean he's, he's you know he's got a serious build on him and you know it's just he, he walks in and it's almost like he's in disguise you know the guys you know and i i cry and as you probably do yourself pride yourself on looking at someone and seeing and and pretty much summing them up and estimating what sort of the attributes though? He? He's going to be slow. He's going to be strong. He's going to be, you know, like I've done that. I've been in the gym all my life, but I tell you, he's one that's out of the bag, mate. You think, oh, this guy is going to be slow and he's going to be unfit. I'll tell you what, he's he's exceedingly, you know, he's just it's super explosive. And got a gas tank that I, I haven't seen before, you know, in, in my circles, you know what I mean? Uh, to feed that engine, you know, it's just unbelievable, mate. That's why he... He does so well you know and he, he's not scared of anything you know what i mean he just keeps walking forward and he can take damage and he's and he's still there you know round three round four round five you know he's still coming and all he's got to do is put you know touch you and you're on roller skates mate and it's, it's done you know so yeah i mean we got we got thousands of that, hundreds of thousands of those guys walking around New Zealand. it's just the key is to get the work ethic in there too you know and sometimes that can be a battle you know as you know i mean if someone gets something too easy, sometimes they don't understand how lucky they are. And with you know sporting gift like they have, or physical gift, sometimes they don't realise how lucky they are. And there's guys in here that have got no sporting, you know, no real physical uh, prowess. But, mate, these guys are in here day in, day out, grinding, just trying to get anywhere close to these guys. You know? So that's the key, mate. It's the balance, eh? Hey? Is the physical... You know attributes and and, um, and the mate. That's a little bit of a harder, harder one to find. <laughs> but we get uh, a few. I, we get a few, and I, I the numbers get.
0: I say that the, the, the good thing about the fact that many genetically gifted don't fulfil their potential, they don't rush to fulfil their potential, gives it, gives a it less genetically gifted chances uh, a chance to succeed. Yeah, 100%. It's not uh,
1: not who's trying hard, it's who's left. You know, <laughs> and Absolutely. these a they're they're at the end of the day, they're still here grinding, mate, you know, so, but we're getting through, we've got a great kids program here, you know, we've got, you know, back in the day, there was no structure to anything, it's just turn up and roll, you know, with uh, just the development, you know, of everything, I mean, you know, training methods have changed and, you know, I'm looking after these guys, I didn't have anybody really uh, looking after us too much, it was just get in there and get it done, but. You know, we, we really look after these kids and make sure they're not hurting themselves and getting them to the physio and, and getting the balance, mate. I don't think I went to the physio until I was 40. Yeah. But uh, You know, these, these kids, mate, they're getting it all from day one, you know. They are, you know, they are, uh, you know, it's it's exciting to see, mate. We're getting results. I mean, last year I think we pulled five five world champions out of this gym wow so the work ethic's really coming strong man these guys are you know i've been sending them over backwards and forwards to the states for many years you know just to get them a bit of exposure but those trips are getting less and less now as our you know as our training partners evolve and our level comes up and, and develops in new zealand it's uh, it's exciting to see mate you know
0: absolutely absolutely so we have got um, Victor with a question. Now Victor's coming out of Singapore. Victor, I'm going to take you uh, off. And Victor actually, he himself in, enjoys a, a role. So Victor, you're live now with Steve.
2: Hi, Steve. Hey, so thank you so much for being on the call. So I'm um, doing uh, jujitsu and Gi, and it's about two or five years, two and a half years. So I was, I was just wondering, um, what is your progression that you would take an athlete um um BJJ athlete through his like um early years because I, I still think that there's so much to learn uh I was just thinking like you know maybe the first year this is what you might be teaching the second year and of course that depends on how fast they're improving but what's yeah. what would you like to see how they how they progress in the art? yeah
1: yeah I mean uh, I mean everybody's different too right, I mean um you know some guys here uh natural athletes, some guys are grinders, some guys are uh, uh, you know, uh, really apply themselves, some guys are hobbyists, and it's up to their goal too, you know, some guys want to be world champions, some guys just want to come and, and, uh, you know, just get, stay fit and and, and hang out with the boys, but, um, you know, it's a mix, it's really, it's quite a big equation as far as, I'm just talking about, you know, their belts and stuff, we have got a belt testing program that we run our guys through here, but, um, you know, when it comes to individual bouts, I mean, there's, you know, we have a, 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 um, a requirement on how many time, attendance and stuff, obviously, you know, minimum requirements through IBJJF. But then after that, mate, it's really, you know, the guy that's not competing has to be super technical, you know what I mean, if he, if he needs to, if he's going to go across the line and get his next bout, you know what I mean. But on the other side of things, a guy that's competing all the time, and I can see he's doing well in that, you know, potentially I don't need to even put him through his test because I know that he's paid his dues as far as competitive and he's a warrior and, you know, and, I mean, loyalty has a part in it too, you know, if the guy's part of the team or he's an outsider that just comes in from time to time. But, you know, I mean, a, a guy that's not part of the team and comes in, even if he's a special case and he's a super athlete, it's it's going to take him a while to get his belt because, Loyalties in, in my book is a is a big one, you know what I mean? And and when I give a belt, I, I it's a part of me. I you know I take it seriously. So it's a bit of a big equation, mate. But we, you know, just back to fundamentals. We have got an attendance uh, requirement, and then we have a belt test for the boys to move up and progress into the next level and that which which keeps them keeps them improving and gives them something to move to, you know, work towards on their next test, and just gives them a focus, mate. I've really enjoyed the belt test over the last. We've been imp- implementing that probably about four years, and yeah, seen a big, big, big change in just the guys' uh, approach to jujitsu. They study a lot more now. You know, back in the day, it just they just used to roll all the time, but now they roll and study. You know, which is which is great.
2: Uh, thanks, Steve. How about the technical aspects? Like, um, maybe the first year, maybe they focus more on not getting choked out second year they're yeah. escaping more that sort of thing
1: yeah 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 definitely no we go uh, f- we have a structure here where we work them through a beginner and an intermediate depending on their stripes so one on their first stripe they move from beginner into an intermediate uh program so the beginner the first stripe, he starts here with no gi so he can come in here we give him a team t-shirt and he works without the gi i think that i think getting them started without a gi is big because they can use that Potentially out on the street the same day, you know, sometimes the Gi grips are a little bit of uh, uh, It takes a little bit to get your head around So we start the boys and no Gi just to get them familiar with the no Gi grips because the no Gi grips are there with Gi and without Gi uh, You know, I talk, I brought that back from Hicks and Gracie. It, it didn't matter We didn't know from day to day when we were, t- we're going to train Gi or no Gi and in the end it doesn't matter You know, but we were very strong on the no Gi grips. So we start them in no Gi uh, once they get their first stripe, they move it into into a meet intermediate program, which is more. Uh, then they start putting the gear on. There's options to put the gear on and start getting familiar with the gear grips. And yeah, a lot of it is defensive. A lot of it is uh, positional. You know, securing position, uh, establishing and securing position, and uh, defensive. In the first, you know, the first pretty much the first three stripes. Then after that, then we start looking. And once they can survive, you know. And then we start looking to finish you know because they're not to be honest mate the first you know year of your Jiu-jitsu life as you probably know is you're not looking for many submissions all, all you're doing is defending you know because uh, The guys further up the food chain are uh, You know putting you through the process. So that's just naturally happened. So we try and help the boys and you know give them an understanding of of, of the submissions, but we really focus on the securing position and in, in, in defense of, of the submission
2: thank you that that was insightful and um last question for now is that oh earlier on you spoke about like getting out real fast and your game changed um can you elaborate more on that like um how would you then how would you then look to defend yourself and if physically after the years of training if uh, things are different and uh, what what was your game plan like then when like i then,
1: first
2: and-
1: uh, I mean when i first started my focus as everybody says i think is to is to be able to look after myself uh, on the street you know what i mean and um you know uh, our focus still here we do a lot of self-defense we do a lot of knife defense you know unfortunately it's uh, you know the knife stuff is is uh, you know is essential these days I mean a lot of our students are coming back you know regularly and saying they've had a problem with someone pulling a knife and stuff it's a sad world but that's that's the reality we can't you know change things we've just got to prepare for them so we, we do a lot of knife stuff we do a lot of self-defense mainly on the Saturdays we we still work a lot of sport, you know, the sports are a big part of the program, but uh, yeah, self-defense is still there, and that was my focus when I first started. I mean, I had the wrestling, you know, and it's it's funny, looking back now, I mean, that's the perfect way to build a, an MMA fighter, is to get him strong, uh, give him a good foundation in wrestling, and then the jiu-jitsu just supplements everything, and, you know, it's just the way it worked for me that, you know, I, um, I've done a lot of work in those areas, so um, you know work to my advantage and I, I done well at the time but yeah self-defense was always my priority but you know as you, as you do over the years you, you know start competing and and leaning towards the more the comp- competition side of things but self-defense has always been right up there on my on my list and um we, we we continue that right through the through the program at the gym now which is a lot of self-defense and, and sports probably 70 percent. and then we got the wrestling program we got a very strong wrestling program here. We've got Kareem uh, Muadi who's a, uh, a high-level uh, Iranian wrestling coach. He's He's been great. He's probably one of the most technical wrestlers, wrestling coaches I've ever seen, to be honest. I mean, I've worked with um, a lot of guys, you know, and when I was in the States, we used to go over and wrestle at what's called Raw, and um, a guy named Rico Ciparelli was over there. Uh, he was a... Uh, prodigy of Dan Gable and the guy was just water mate, you know, just beautiful technical ability and everything, you know, it's just amazing to work with a guy just to see him and, you know, it was um, a real, uh, you know, epic time to see that guy doing his thing and, and, you know, Kareem's on the same level, this guy's very good, you know, technically And, and he's passionate as well, which is a hard one to find, you know, some guys are world champion coaches but sitting on the sideline texting you know and on the mobile phone while class is going this guy's super passionate he's the first one here and last one to leave so he's he's a real asset to the program and now we're really strong wrestling here too so I think that's uh, a key part of our program thanks Steve no worries buddy good luck
0: appreciate Victor Victor's in his early years and and, um, come to terms with it all So I've got one question here from um, Robert Roberts in the US, and he's also uh, actively involved in BJJ. So his first question goes like this. Traditionally, BJJ is taught with a heavy emphasis on sparring, as is Mm -hmm. wrestling, from the level of development from child to adult. If long-term development is a process, when would you start introducing sparring, and would there be restrictions?
1: yeah good question man i mean we you know we've designed our program here that the the fundamentals program you know up until one to three stripes they do uh, roll straight away but it's very specific to position we just we'll teach them uh for example half the class how to escape guard and then we'll take teach them maybe kimura and in an arm bar or an arm bar in a triangle and then we let them play around in that scenario you know so the guys we're putting a real spotlight on a specific part of the game. I don't believe in just you know bump knuckles and go for it from day one because there's a lot of there's a lot to it. There's a plenty of positions as you well know. So um, that's where injury happens when it's a scramble or you know um, a movement that someone's not familiar with. Potentially they can hurt themselves. So we sp- we do spar them, uh, but only very specific movements, mate. Mount, you know, escape or finish guard escape finish from, from the back you know half guard you know we we work them we work the boys like that and then after three stripes then they start rolling uh you know from from these you know or from everywhere they will, they'll go through the full program so yeah we start them specific and then if, once they've had three stripes then they can start rolling properly
0: all right excellent appreciate it. so the second question is a little bit longer i'm going to do my best and if i can break it up i will so I'd love to, hear, this is the question, I'd love to hear about what you and, and coaches think about MMA and or BJJ development. I usually see the transition going from a single-discipline sport, say so MMA with these athletes to a multi-sport discipline, uh, MMA. Some of you who know uh, Ian and Tudors who read the market, so he's going to periodization, etc., etc., etc. Um So he was talking about Specialisation, I guess, um, broader than BJJ, going MMA, uh, and I I guess focusing on the three key disciplines, and you know how you handle the the development of each of those three. Yeah, I mean, you
1: know, depending once again on the guy's attributes, he might have grown up as a as a wrestler. You know, if he's a wrestler, you know, we're going to have to uh, you know get him some hands and get him some you know submission or, or. working on the ground as far as the submissions go, escapes and, and, and finishing. But, uh, you know, like with Mark, you know, the guy was a K1, you know, legend. So I didn't have to worry about his hands. I just had to get him, and we and brought him up to a good level. I mean, for, for a couple of years there, he had the best uh, defence in the UFC, uh, takedown defence. So he was hard to take down, man. He's, I mean, he's, you know, a special case, but I mean, he just got great hands. So he just got him to the stage where he couldn't be put down. And if he did get put down, he'd pop straight back up. You know, that was our game plan for Mark with, you know, with his attributes that he was, you know, they'd worked for and uh, been given. And depends from person to person, you know. I mean, once again, you know, if the guy is a great jujitsu guy, let's have a look at his takedowns. Does he need work on his takedowns? And what's his hands like? You know, we just, yeah, we just work to our strengths, but, you know, always be, uh working to bring up our weaknesses you know and, and and there's a certain level uh minimum requirement on those as well you know i mean you can't go in with zero anything you know these days i mean i mean the better your takedowns are the less hands you need for sure but you can't go in with no hands you've got to have enough hands to set the takedown up so yeah it's a bit of an equation mate it's a bit of a um uh, you know athlete specific sort of uh equation that we've got to work through but um yeah we do that you know athlete by athlete over here
0: so ultimately looking at what what their background is and you're seeing any trends in 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 mma now as to you know the weight being put on each of the three disciplines
2: yeah i mean you know
1: people to be honest it's you know i'm going to get some hate mail for this but uh, you know i think it's lazy you know the way that the mma's evolved a little bit i mean Boxing, everyone loves to throw hands, you know. What I mean, everyone throws hands and stumps the tape down. You know what I mean? Well, almost. Um, if
0: you don't throw enough, even in pro, in pro boxing these days, if you're not throwing enough, you're going to come on down. You're going to come off second best on the scorers card. so you got to throw.
1: Yeah, but you know, to be honest, mate, uh, boxing workout is not nothing on a on a grappling or a wrestling workout. You know what I mean? So everyone seems to they don't even know it's happening. You know, but they drift. More towards the striking side of things because it's an easier workout, mate. You know, if I'm running around, you know, someone's holding pads for me. It's it's a beautiful thing, mate. You know, the guys, if he's a good pad holder, he can make me feel like like Muhammad Ali. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. even if I'm not that flash, and I I leave there, I leave there feeling great. But if you're gonna wrestle, someone's getting his ass kicked. It's either me or him. You know, there's no one. You know, someone's leaving there. Not enjoying the, the workout, you know what I mean. So yeah. it's just the way the sport's progressing is the guys coming in, uh, doing the, sh- the the easy work and and stumping, doing the minimum amount of t- uh, wrestling, just enough to to not engage, you know, first or, or you know one or two phases deep on a, on the takedown defense, so they can get out of the scramble uh, and stay away and and pop and run, you know, pop pop run r- run away and uh, okay, the guy has come through the punching, and now he got to, you know, deal with the takedown. So he's got one or two phases on that, and hopefully he's out of that. And then he's popping, you know, and then he's back to his hands. And but I tell you what, if they go any more than two phases on a takedown or wrestle, they're in some deep trouble because, you know, boxing is is reasonably technical, but you can't compare it to jiu-jitsu I mean, there's, you know, you can luck it. You know, there's a bit of luck in boxing. You can. Wing it and, and catch somebody on an overhand or you know lucky punch. You know, there's no lucky in wrestling with jiu-jitsu You have either done the work or you haven't it's simple as that, you know, there's no lucky arm bars or lucky You know, you don't luckily pull an arm bar off on a guy. That's a world champion, you know yeah. so, you know you, We we spend our fundamental uh, discipline here is wrestling and, and, and jiu-jitsu And then the boys uh, usually go to uh, the hands after that, you know, and I have no problem with that because it takes a lot longer to learn the the, the intricacies of wrestling and jiu-jitsu than it does boxing, you know what
0: I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the wear and tear on the body, Steve. What are you you seeing over the years? What are you learning over the years? And what are are, are sort of the things that you're doing to, to take that into account? Uh, what just training the boys. Well, the the, the the injury patterns, the wear and tear on the uh, body. What do you What yeah, have you learned?
1: Yeah. Oh man, we used to just, you know, honestly, like every session was a couple of techniques, and then there's bump knuckles and bang heads. And uh, to be honest, I'm luckily. I'm lucky. I'm I'm walking. You know, what I mean, like uh, we, it was just insane. You know, and I've seen so many knees. You know, knees are the worst one. Usually, wrestling is a bad one. You know, that, uh, if a guy doesn't know what he's doing, or you know. He go. This is the word, one of the most common injuries I see. Is they go to the back and then they sit. They sit to take the you know take the man down from behind, and the guy that's getting taken down will base back, and the guy will sit straight on his knee and just tear his knee in half. You know, and um, yeah, we we you know very specific. Once again, we work a lot of specific positions and um, try and take the scramble out of it as much as possible. It's always, you're gonna have to do it, but we we really break it down into specific positions, specific roll a lot, Uh, drill a lot, you know, drill a hell of a lot these guys are drilling now. You know what I mean? Just practice the moves over and over and over and over again, and then they they go specific rolling, and then they'll get their fair share towards tournament times and more roll. I mean, we always roll in class, but. Probably half of the time we're rolling is specifics, you know. So we, like I said, I mean, they're lucky these days because we got these, you know. I'm looking, at, I've got a good eye. i seeing, you know, all the injuries and where the uh, where these guys are exposed um, to danger, and we try and take that out of their training, you know. I mean, it's still we get injuries, you know, it happens, but it's a competitive sport. But you know, I'm glad to say it's not as often as you'd you'd think these days.
0: Yeah, you great to hear and one of the goals obviously is to keep people active in this sport for as long as you can So um, you know, if we if we all continued on with the 70s and 80s approach as you said none of us would be walking
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly, mate, you know My dad always used to say, you know, if you can stay injury-free, man You know, the guy that's training 110%, you know, he's going to get injured If you train at 80% and never get injured, you're going to be, you know, it's like the tortoise and the hare You're going to be the one coming out, you know on top you know so um yeah, you've got to train within your you know you've got to push too but it's a bit of a balance hey eh? it's uh it's a hard one to get perfect but you just got to do your best and and try and be smart
0: absolutely i'm a big fan of keeping athletes as injury free as possible because you know at the end of the day you know in in, in many sports it's about who who stays injury free longer than than someone else yeah. so yeah exactly i don't think mark mark hunts had a pretty good run um you know he's been pretty fortunate in, in the injury area
2: yeah Oh, yeah, mate you know
1: seriously like he's had a bit of soft tissue damage and broken his hand a couple of times and i mean i've been in the ambulance with him no more times than i can remember on the way up from fights and you know he, he's he's built to take punishment mate he, he, honestly he takes a, a a heap of punishment and Gets a little bit of light bruising and he's ready to go again. You know, he's um, he's lucky. I mean, he's still gone What 44 so it's impressive, you know, but like you said earlier, you know, when I was you know When we were working together on the stretching and and, you know the damage that I've done to myself early, you know It's the guys that potentially save themselves early in their career that can push on later on, you know, I didn't uh, Unfortunately didn't save myself early. I put foot down pretty hard pretty early and then uh left to try and you know pick up the pieces about now you know (laughs) Uh,
0: absolutely well that's a lot here to help you help help people pick up the pieces because any athlete who's gone hard young is going to have lateral damage i mean you you know if if you see a pristine body at 40 you know they won't push it at the peak simple as that yeah
1: yeah that's right i mean mate, honestly like a you know i've had a, a lot of years of you know when you're going to your best of your ability and all levels and and then the pain kicks in and the injuries are so bad that you can't i can hardly you know i roll from time to time but my shoulders you know uh an issue i produce six discs in my spine i mean the last one put me out in the neck was the bad one c6 and c7 um but you know it's a, i mean you know like i still uh, i can drill i can move and i can teach so that's where i'm trying to keep it at the moment i doing a little bit of weights i mean i used to you know pull huge weights that deadlift and and squat i'm you know disgusted at myself really at the weights i'm lifting now but i mean you just got to keep moving forward and it's a real rubik's cube mate you know i'll do two workouts on my lower back and then my lower back will go out and then i'll have to you know i'll be stretching all the way through then i'll neglect my stretching for a couple of weeks and then you know it's just it's such a balancing act, mate, you know, it really is. It's, uh, I, I, you know, I thought I was scientific when I was young. Man, I'm nothing. on what I am now. I'm just trying to stay mobile, you know, yeah. <laughs> food, food, the, everything.
0: That's a great, the greatest challenge for, for coaches such as you and me, Steve. Just being able to teach is probably the most important thing. And if people want to see what we've done, they can look at the records. But um, the ability just to be able to teach. And I, I actually get the exposure to a lot of coaches who, who are a point where they ha- can't teach? Um, they actually have to get in um, some bodies to demonstrate it. Uh, you know, it's there's this uh, our, our goal should be to keep our bodies uh, in, in, in one piece enough to be able to at least demonstrate s- the majority of things, I guess, without having
2: to.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I mean to roll is a real, uh, you know, it was a tragedy in my life. I mean, I you know, trying training twice a day, feeling like an absolute weapon for. As long as I can remember, and then you know, get to the point where it's just not worth it anymore because the pain is just too much. And you know, it's a process, man. But to get to the point where you can't teach, I mean, you're effectively a cripple. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's uh, it's something that I'm really trying to strive towards, not going down that road. But um, you know, I tell you what, I've been getting into lately is just. I've noticed that my joints have really been seizing up in the last couple of years, and I, I just thought back, and when I was training, my joints weren't that bad, but since I've been doing nothing, they've actually got a lot worse, you know, like yes. real bad. Yes. And I, I just randomly picked up this book about uh, fasting, mate, and um, they reckon that toxins in the body just form crystals that circulate and lodge in the joints, you know. And I, I thought, okay, I'll give it a nudge. I, I've given it just uh, thirty-six hours once a week, and. Uh, <laughs> I tell you, mate. Honestly, like the joints have just freed up in a big way. Like you know, uh, body fat that I haven't been able to move. And I go, you know, uh, intermittent fasting. I eat pretty clean. I try and stay in ketosis as much as possible, but it's almost impossible. that, you know, to stay in ketosis all the time. But um, this fasting has just been getting results on a lot of different levels, man. So yeah, it's worth looking into. I think. Um, I think it's going to be a, a go for me personally. You know, I mean, just to detox the body and and give the body a bit of a break from digestion. You know, what I mean, we digest. We are, all of us are seriously overfed, and um, it goes into. You know, that's what I was saying. Everybody's so got so much food, taking in so much food, they're using all their energy to digest it, and that's why we're reaching for, for coffees and for you know for sugar drinks and that just to try and get some energy from somewhere. But you know, I mean, back in the day you know, uh, a generation ago, mate, that, you know, going hungry for a day wasn't a problem, you know what I mean? These days, uh, you know, I mean, you just can't drive down the street without having about three food stops, you know what I mean? Any any kind of uh, hunger pains satisfied instantly, you know what I mean? I don't think it's doing this yes, any better.
0: No, so not at all. So fasting, interestingly, has been a mainstay of the, the life extension group, the longevity group for for a long, long time. And I'm seeing, um, and I'm seeing the the pattern appear in, in a lot more um, food commentators. So I think you I, I agree with you, and I, I think there's a massive place for for fasting. Yeah. Um, I, as you said, on so many levels. Yeah, just the energy
1: levels, eh? Uh, you know, just you know, I've been you know I got a young baby and one on the way, and I'm just thinking, man, I, I I'm so tired, man. You're like, what's going on, you know? And um, all the time. And since I've been fasting, mate, I've just noticed my energy levels just kicking off. Like, you know, I'll, I'll fast for thirty-six hours and then usually try and get one or two feeds of veggies and fruit down me straight. You know, on, on the way back into the food. And you know, two, three o'clock that afternoon, mate, I feel like I've had about eight coffees. You know what I mean? Just the energy's just through the roof, mate. I'm really enjoying it. Getting good results. Great to
0: hear. Good to see that you're experimenting, and um, there's a lot of lot of lot of uh, accuracy, in that, as I said, the the cost of the energy cost and the wear and tear of digestion is so substantial that uh, there are so many benefits at, at many different levels. Yeah, mate. No, I've never really looked into it. You know, I just thought, oh,
1: that's what you know, fasting's what hippies do. You know what I mean? And But you know, <laughs> <laughs> but I tell you what, they're onto something. Stretching and fasting. Hey, um,
0: sign me up. Absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm I'm glad you mentioned them both because. They're not popular in the world yet, but um, they're, they're rising in popularity. And the reality of those who try them uh, is pretty evident. There's a lot of merit, a lot of merit in both. Yeah, or, so still, you know, get results, mate. You know exactly, exactly. That's what matters. It's not matters what someone else says or whose opinion this or that. It's if you try something, and you get a result. With well, it, there's a message in it.
1: Yeah, it's not necessarily that easy, you know. Going hungry is not that flash. You know, and, uh stretching out. Sometimes isn't doesn't feel too great either, you know. After but after a while, I mean, it feels magic. But you know, it takes discipline, and I mean, we're in a society that's got pretty much zero to to, to hardly any discipline in it. And you know, people are just uh, eating when they feel like eating, eating anything, and and mate, you know, people are getting sick. You know, hand over fist, mate. You know, it's getting all kinds of stuff. You know. Cancers and you know you go down down the list, mate. You know it's just I think food has got a massive, uh, you know I think that's the key ingredient, mate. has been the food, eh? That's that's what the problem with us all is, eh? The toxins and the yeah.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned the importance of food and food, not just in your macronutrients. It's it's far more complicated than just how many grams of proteins and fat you eat. There's, there's, I mean, it's not difficult, it's not complicated, but it's a lot more, there's a lot to more than, than your macronutrient balance. It's, you know, your yeah. food origin, your food, yeah. food preparation.
1: That's right, mate, you know, yeah, it's sugars and and all the rest of it. But, uh, no, I'm enjoying it, mate, you know, I've dropped a little bit of weight, you know, which has been hard for me in the past. And, you know, the energy levels are up there, so we're doing a bit more, you know, uh, I'm not really built for speed or running, but I'm doing a lot more, more running, you know, just yes, for the yeah. energy that's coming up. I've, uh, I just read. A, I just finished a book, actually, mate. You'd, you'd love it. It's uh, called You Can't Hurt Me from um, David Goggins. He's a, a Navy SEAL. Yes. Unbelievable, mate. You know, he's just how he mentally prepares and, and, and uh, digs deep in these challenges, you know what I mean? And... since he became a navy seal then he became an instructor in the navy seals and and had his foot so hard down on the gas that he burnt out half the navy seal team and then he tried out for delta force and then he got he just wanted the next challenge and then he started getting into these uh mega races these hundred hundred mile races and and uh you know just the the principles he puts out on how to dig deep and channel the mind man is really worth worth having to listen to mate it's great
0: and 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 very importantly for me he's also spreading the message of stretching
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. after just about after he just about killed himself hey. did you read
0: the book have you heard the book Well, i, I, I haven't read the book but i'm, I'm very familiar with the flossies because yeah you know, I, i've been such a, an advocate for stretching that when that, that when, when a, a rare person pops head up and says yeah i stretch too and it's great um you know everyone comes running to me saying yeah and someone else believes in it too yeah.
1: Yeah, he's just such a, he's a, he's just such an extreme. The guy's definitely got some issues, mate, but he's he, – you'd enjoy it, mate, I'll tell you. He got so uh, so tight that he he, he was hospitalised. It was affecting – uh, I can't remember what it was. Uh, the m- muscle inside the guts was so tight it was effectively just about killing him, you know, strangling him. So he started stretching and just changed his life.
0: Yep, great story. <laughs> Well, it's good to hear you're, you're, you're opening up and um, appreciating some of the benefits of those less popular things, as you said. Stretching is not overly popular for a number of reasons, including it, it requires uh, you know, some form of commitment, diligence, and discipline. Yeah. But the rewards are there if you want them, and some of us have no choice. Steve, we've damaged our body so much that if we don't embrace it, you know, walking and lifting our hand is is not going to be an option.
1: Yeah, mate. Yeah, I mean, like. Yeah, I, I've just seen the benefits myself, personally, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a, uh, you know, to be honest, the stretching, I do, I I was really doing well for a couple of years there, but I've just worn off just recently, but I need to get back in it, but um, it's always a, you know, it's always you're doing well in one, and then the other one needs to be picked up, and then you pull that one up, and then something else drops off, so I'm, I'm overdue on I'm getting back into the stretching in a big way, but um, yeah, I always benefit from it.
0: Yeah, I often have um, the mature athletes sometimes apologise to me they haven't been as disciplined lately. But I uh, say so your, your body will send you a message, and you'll yeah,
1: you know, be naughty
0: and tell you. <laughs>
1: yeah, mate. Now, well, things are going well here in New Zealand, mate. The, the sports really thriving. We've got you know a couple of good guys at Israel, other senior, and a few of the boys are, are fighting this weekend. Um, we've got good boys coming out of this camp here too. There's to, you know watch the space. A couple of years, I think these guys will be doing good things and uh, the sport in general, we run a tournament over here New Zealand Grappler Uh, a great tournament, we've built it up from you know 100 competitors and we're getting up you know 800 to 1000 competitors in the nationals now so yeah really encouraging on the the numbers and the the health of the sport in the country Uh, you know we've got a couple of clubs, we're based out here in West Auckland but the clubs are just going you know numbers are great and you know kids and adults balance is about 50 50 so it's a healthy split you know and um yeah it's just good times mate for the sport in general i think um you know we we head up new zealand top team here in new zealand there's a consortium of about 18 clubs that we hit up here and everyone's doing well and yes yeah, uh, i think it's just good times mate you know the mma side of things you know it's good and bad you know i mean the mma with you know the likes of mcgregor and that they pull they do what they got to do to get paid, but it's not. I don't think it's beneficial for the youth to see people disrespecting others like that. You know, I think it's more. Well, yeah, <laughs> uh,
0: you
1: know, I think the UFC. I think the UFC's. Uh, you know, got a lot out for. It to be honest, as far as the culture of the martial arts and that, I think that you know, there's a there's a generation of youth growing up watching the, you know, watching. MMA and just thinking that disrespecting your your, your, your um, competitors and stuff is is cool, you know what I mean? It's, and it's just right away from the culture of the martial arts and the ECOS, you know, Bushido of uh, of the warrior, you know, in the martial arts that, that, that it's been forever, you know what I mean? And they they do, it's, it's a bit of a show, you know, and they've got to do what they've got to do to make money, but it's a little bit
0: unfortunate. Oh, I agree with you completely. And... I'm glad you, 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 you've you been around long enough to have seen the earlier values and you obviously retain them. So I think the success that you're experiencing in New Zealand is as is, is much down to is Obviously, the movement in the sport globally is, is trending positively, but I believe that your your role model and your contribution, your passion, the commitment you've made to the this, to this sport over the decades to, to become a master of it yourself is is why these people in New Zealand are really I'm fortunate to have you there in New Zealand, why I wanted to, to talk with you today and, and sh- share the message around the world of the work you're doing.
1: Uh, thanks for having us on, Ian. It's been great, bro. I know there's, uh, you know, just getting back to the Gracie's and their story, I mean, there's a uh, supposed to be a documentary coming out or a series on Netflix soonish about, uh, you know, the Gracie life and how... You know they brought jiu-jitsu to to the masses so that's it's going to be a good one
0: absolutely absolutely it's um it's possibly i'll be i'll be presenting at one of their uh, events in in los angeles uh, oh, right. next month so oh really um, who's it? what's it so they, they run a, a a lifestyle university so it's a five-day yep. program um yep. and, and i bl- i believe the intent is to to provide solutions for people to make jiu part of their life forever. So it's, yeah. it's, it's education.
1: Yeah. Nice, mate. No, no. Yeah, I think I know the guys yeah, there that, uh, that run the university over there. Yeah, they've done a good job. They've got, you know, very successful in what they do, right? Eh? You know, the internet's a big part of the way the world's gone. And, you know, it wasn't around in my time, mate. Couldn't just Google a move. You had to go to LA and get it pulled on you, you know? And, um <laughs> It's changed a little bit, mate. You know, I wouldn't change a thing, mate. You know, you know the life that I lead and the experiences I had. Actually, uh, connecting with these guys, you know, these these younger guys uh, are very lucky to. You know, I've got a good network overseas, so they get looked after and they get, you know, Flowing directly, basically, to another family in the states. So, that, so they're doing really good. But, but, you know, I wouldn't change a thing, mate. The journey I had was was great you know i mean it um it was a challenge to put it mildly but um we got there in the end and you know we're just trying to hand that over here now mate to these
0: guys but um you know they're lucky yeah
1: these young next generation are all there mate you know got everything
0: absolutely i mean i think um there were quite a few young bodybuilders in the 80s who went across to los angeles following the dream and uh, ended up staying around the venice Area and back in the 80s, Venice was a pretty rough place and they got a bit of a shock. So it's yeah. um it's a big credit to any young uh, athlete from from this side of the world to go across their back when you did. Yeah, mate.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, I was, um, you know, just during my history, you know, seeing a lot of those guys, you know, Sonny Schmertz and, uh, you know, uh, there's plenty of those guys that went from Australia, New Zealand over there that done very well, you know. It's uh, a credit to them, man. But yeah, we do well, maybe This side of the world does well overseas, and it's, uh, I don't know really why. I just think the guys, you know, good. They have got a good gene pool to tap into, but the guys here don't get it easy in general. You know what I mean? So.
0: Yes. Yeah. Well, the, the islands are providing the last of the gene pool for the world, and America is snapping it up. So. Um... <laughs> When the when the when the islanders are diluted by Western living, I don't know where they're going to pull their athletes from. Oh, they'll find some way.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know,
1: these days it's just education, isn't it? I mean, you know, um, if you're not educated or you're you're not interested, um, you know, they're saying that the next generation, are actually these kids if you know in general we're going to start dropping off before we are because at least we grew up we could get outside climb a tree ride the bike till till dark and, and eat you know meat potatoes and veggies you know from the garden uh and grow up on a solid base of good good nutrients you know these kids these days are just getting bee drinks and and when they make it you know then they get put in front of the uh the computer and then when they make a more noise they get a pack of the chibis thrown at the mate i mean you know what sort of base as far as a health you know physically if these kids got to fall back on when they do get attacked with a, a, a disease or whatever later on in life I mean there's just no just nothing there's no foundation you know no nutrient foundation for these kids and they're gonna fall over mate you know it's a scary thing
0: Yeah, absolutely and, and it's toughest to watch the the island kids because the the closer they are by generation to traditional eating the more negative the impact of western food so when you see the island kid um you know showing the manifestation of some of the western diets it's it's tough for me to watch and we said you know in our own aboriginal community here in australia mm. uh, they, they're really affected by the western diet because you know, they were, they're so close in generation to uh, a, a better way of eating so uh, that's that's just a disaster waiting to happen that but um hopefully mm. you know you'll Continue to spread your education about nutrition as you know, the more more you're on the planet The more you're getting to appreciate that the power of food and its relationship with health
1: Yeah, mate, I mean, uh, you know It's a perfect package. I mean, that's what we're trying to create a a, you know A a place where the kids can come feel safe Hang out and you know same with adults, you know, I mean, there's not too many places these days that you can associate with, with good people. I mean, uh, you know, rugby's full of alcohol, uh, you know, you know. but the, you, what we're trying to do here is just provide a good safe environment for the kids, for the adults, you know, a place where they can, you know, perform and, 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 and uh, test themselves, uh, you know, achieve their dreams potentially or give it a good nudge and, and support the other guys that are and, and you know, with that, obviously they evolve their eating and just healthy habits, mate, you know, so it's just it's just good all around mate you know absolutely It'd be nice to get a bit I of support think... from, uh, from council and stuff you know i mean we're doing we're doing a big big thing over here i mean most sports clubs are you know providing a, a service for for community you know but you know council doesn't even really acknowledge anything you know i mean it's hard work over here
0: yeah and that will continue to happen is their budgets decline but um uh... You know, you're doing a great job, and I've seen the numbers in your facilities. Uh, uh, super impressive when, when I'm in your facilities to see, especially the kids. You know, the kids having such a great time. You've got a phenomenal following in the, in the ranks and of, the, of the kids, and you, you're mindful of it, and you're mindful of balance between providing for the kids as well as the adults. And and that's that island, that family atmosphere that you were brought up in. Yeah, yeah. I
1: mean, you know, like, uh, you know, the kids are great. You know, I mean, the, the, the adults are a little bit of a challenge, you know, to be honest. The kids are, the kids that are there on the mat the kids that are on the mats there's always a little bit of uh you know uh pecking order and stuff but it's pretty minor but you know the the big problems we have here is just potentially the kids the parents sitting on the sideline you know um you know yeah starting you know dreaming up stuff to to, to complain about and it's crazy mate you know i mean got, if they actually jumped on the mat you would you actually listen to them but you know there's guys here that you know every every sport I suppose their parents have got well,
0: Absolutely, disc- absolutely. The greatest challenge for any young athlete is their parents. The number one obstacle for any young athlete, parents. I'm not we've talking lost,
1: about a future world I'm talking
0: about for any
1: kid. Yeah. yeah. Now we've lost so many kids, mate. Through you know not through the kid not wanting to come to train, but the parents had an issue with another parent. Or I mean, we're even considering not you know not letting the parents watch anymore. it's that you know it's um it, it is an issue you know parents have got something to say and really i mean the best scenario for us would be to drop your kids off and let them do their thing and come and pick them up you know you wouldn't be
0: you were not the first uh, case to echo that sentiment i can assure you i've heard that one before anyway <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's on the list i tell you very understandable that's yeah it's um the greatest challenge is educating the parents and my my of parents apparently say nothing but that's another story we can get into parent education in fact they're a fair bit of parent education because they need it you know, the, the you don't get a manual to be a parent you know definitely don't get a manual to be a parent of an athlete and, and when yeah. i say out there i'm just about anyone playing sport like you know what should a parent say how should they behave you know what should they do how should they even talk to the kid after the training session or, or the event yeah. Yeah. Um, you know that's, that's a big part of our child achievement education is actually for the parents so yeah, man. yeah. I, I, just,
1: I just put up a, t- uh, a bit of a meme the other day on on facebook it was just so, you know parents just don't be worried about your sport use the kids sporting uh prowess worry about his work ethic and whether he's a good human you know what i mean absolutely
0: and, and that's what i like about what you do steve because at the end of the day you know, our job as, as coaches is not necessarily to develop world champions our job is to as a result of their involvement in sport with us for them to be better humans for it and it should yeah. be not be determined by whether they're going to be world champions we should be making every single young athlete that we expose that we involve with we they should be walking away feeling better about themselves and and having a better outcome in life as a result of the time they're spent with us So i like your attitude yeah i saw a good
1: one the other day it said um you know a leader doesn't develop followers he develops other leaders you know i mm-hmm. thought that was you know that's what we're trying to do here is just develop a whole you know whole hierarchy of leaders here that look after each other and you know, develop people on and off the mat, you know, be a big person on and off the mat. And um, yeah, I mean, to be, I, I just, we were working with the Warriors earlier, or oh, last year, or well, last year, a little bit this year, and, and what, there was a bit of an issue with the culture, and one of the main things that they changed was, rather than coming back to the club rooms afterwards and going who scored the most tries or the most tackles, it was rewarding the guy that was actually hitting the numbers in training. So the guy that was performing and training was getting acknowledged, rather than potentially the guy that didn't come to training as much is a natural athlete that just every week takes top tackle count or player of the, player of the, of the day. You know, uh, essentially it could be both. I mean, you know, you could, you know, it normally is the guys that are hitting the numbers through the week are the ones that are performing on the weekend, but not necessarily. So that was quite a. I thought that was quite a good one. Like reward the guys with a. Putting the work in and training, rather than actually just the results, you know, it creates a better uh, environment within the team and 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 just a culture of you know working hard, you know.
0: Yeah, it'd be great to see the Warriors finish at the top one day. You know, it's uh, it'd be a phenomenal. In the same way, North Queensland when they won the championship there, that's um, you know, we're talking about rugby league. We're talking about the national sport, one of the national sports here in Australia and new zealand have a team in the national rugby league uh played in, the, in that competition which the warriors is talking about because they're based in auckland as is steve, yeah, they steve
2: were,
1: i mean they had a great season last year i mean it was just a bit of bad luck there towards the end to be honest there was a couple of games where they could have gone either way and you know but um uh, yeah we'll see what they can pull out this
0: year yeah it's it's it's, a, it's always going to be a little tough for them as well as north queensland because they're further away um they've got to travel more generally speaking i think they've got a they've also got climate uh, differences to come to terms with but you know one day we have a dream the warriors will win the championship yep.
2: hopefully mate.
0: <laughs> no, be great. Great. certainly enjoy seeing the great uh, performances the all blacks continue to put on the on the pitch so steve appreciate um, your, your time i'm looking forward to getting back to auckland in the near future and looking at some of your newer facilities i, I believe you've you've moved out from the last one i was at so some new things I haven't seen. Yeah, mate. Now
1: we've got a great facility here in uh, just down the road, potentially in, in West Auckland. Here, things. Yeah, you'll be you'll be happy, mate. We've done good things. It's been a busy time, but uh, the business evolved beyond our expectations, and you know it's looking to continue. So look forward to keep us in the loop, Ian, and uh, we'll catch up soon, eh?
0: Absolutely. If I get to get down to Auckland, I want to come and chat. So I appreciate your time. I know you're a busy man. You got um family look after and all and your, your facility so I, on behalf of all the, the, the listeners today and all the listeners that can listen in the, the podcast moving forwards I want to say thanks for your time today, also Steve, for the role model that you're presenting with your contribution to the sport and your, your, the, the passion that you have for, for, the, for the martial arts in general and for, for grappling specifically
1: thanks Ian appreciate it mate it was an honour
0: looking forward to we'll chat see you mate